Well, good afternoon, everyone. And Ryan, it's good to see you too. How's everybody else doing? Good afternoon, everyone. So good to see you here. For those of you who are watching in our video teaching service, I'm teaching the Saturday Night Live, then Danielle and I will jump on a plane tomorrow at 7 a.m. to head down to Panama City to be with our students. A traveling party of nearly 350 people right now on the road down to the beach. We're praying it'll be one of the best weeks of the summer. For those of you who dropped off like all your kids for camp, you have to pick them up at the end of the week. Like we will be ready to give them to you whether or not you are ready to have them back. So be here on Friday or your kids will have to stay all night at the church by themselves. Hey, if you got your Bible, Matthew chapter eight is where we're gonna hang out in this brand new series. Grab your notes so you can follow along. If you are maybe brand new to church, thanks for hanging out with us. If you don't have a Bible, you say, how am I gonna follow along? All the scripture I read will be on the screen beside me. So it'll be fairly easy to follow along. We're starting a brand new series. Inside your bulletin, you're also gonna see um, this little card you, you heard Pastor Ryan talk about what we're doing globally. We also, as a church, really believe in community impact. One of the things we do every year is we have a partnership with our local school district. Um, Summit Point Elementary, very specifically, is our elementary school that our church helps take care of. We do a backpack drive for them every year as a part of our summer of serving. Um, and we, this year, are giving 113 backpacks filled with school supplies to the school and we need your help. Three ways that you can help out on this little card that you can see. Um, you can go buy and purchase all of the supplies you need, put them in a backpack, bring it and drop it off. Um, you can donate the supplies directly to the school or you can donate an Amazon gift card to a teacher and they will go get the supplies they need for their room. If you'd be willing to help by the end of this week, we got to have this ready to go. If you didn't grab a bulletin, you're a little more technological. If you just text journey backpack to this number, it'll send you this card. This card will give you a link of everything that you need to get to go purchase at Walmart or Target um, to help bless a school and bless a student in a school who needs to know that God sees them and knows, um, and knows their needs. So Matthew chapter 8 is where we're going to hang out for the next six weeks. Here's our target. Here's what we're going to try to do. We're going to try to learn some key lessons of faith that we need to help us follow a teacher named Jesus who's teaching has captured our hearts. So one of the things that teaching through books of the Bible allows you to do is it allows you to capture the mindset in the direction of the person writing the entire book. And Matthew rolls out of three chapters of a sermon called the Sermon on the Mount. Three chapters, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, 111 different verses. We spent 31 weeks reading through the teaching of Jesus. Matthew gets to the end of that teaching and says that the, people's, the people leave the sermon and say, man, that was great. How do we do it? So we're walking with Matthew now as a group of people who have been inspired by teaching, but now we need to know how to put it into practice. So our goal in Matthew chapter 8 is we're going to try to learn some key lessons of faith that we need to help us do what Jesus has taught us to do. The question is, how do we put our faith into practice? How do we take what we've learned the last 31 weeks and how do we put it into practice? That'll be the goal of this entire series. Here are today's goals. Number one, to see our inability to do what Jesus asks of us without his touch and his help. We're going to meet someone today in Matthew chapter 8 who heard the teaching, but who can't follow it without help from the teacher. As a matter of fact, we are going to see in Matthew chapter 8 and 9, nine miracles. Literally, after Jesus gives his teaching that he wants us to follow, become like him, behave like him, believe like him. The next two chapters, Matthew's going to present him as the supernatural one who's able to help you overcome the things that you can't do on your own. So we're going to meet someone today who, who can help us get over our inability to do what he's asked us to do. And in addition to learning about our needs, 
We're going to learn about God's heart today in Matthew chapter 8. That'll be the second thing, to see the heart of God. So Matthew's going to come down the mountain. and Jesus is going to come down the mountain in Matthew chapter 8, and he's immediately going to help a leper, a slave, and a mother-in-law. And every mother-in-law saying, wait a minute, like, that, like one thing in that list is not like the other. Did you just compare me to a leper and a slave? No, I'm just saying that was the order. A leper, a slave, and a, and a mother-in-law, Peter's mother-in-law. You would say, as Matthew portrays this, that Jesus immediately came down the mountain of teaching and he helped people who couldn't help him. He helped people who could not do anything to help his ministry. In those days, a leper wasn't loved by anyone. A slave wasn't respected by anyone. And a woman could not even testify in court. So we're going to see Jesus pour ministry into people who cannot return ministry to him. We're going to see Jesus not try to get people's attention because no, not very many people would have cared that he helped these people. We're not going to see Jesus grab for power because these people couldn't do anything for him. We're just going to see a good God helping hurting people. And if you're here today and you're hurting, you need to know that Jesus is still a good God who helps hurting people. And after a really long year of life, I know that there are some people here, there certainly are going to be some people in our video teaching services who are hurting. You need to know we still serve a good God who helps hurting people. I love what the scholar William Barclay says about this text in Matthew chapter 8. No man need ever feel himself incurable in body or unforgivable in soul while Jesus Christ exists. In journey, Jesus Christ still exists. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if you're here today and you're hurting, if you're here on Sunday and you're hurting, you need to know Jesus Christ still exists and nobody is beyond the hurt of Jesus. He is willing and he is able to help. We're going to learn that today in Matthew chapter 8. Before we ever dig into Scripture at our church, we always pray and ask God to speak to our hearts. So would you bow your heads with me here and in our video teaching service. Take that deep breath. And just two quick prayers. One, a prayer of confession. Tell God if your heart is cluttered and clouded and distracted, ask him to open it up and then ask him to speak to you. God, that's our prayer. We confess that between Saturday and the next Saturday, between Sunday and the next Sunday, Lord, life throws so much at us that sometimes we come to church and our heart isn't ready to receive, so we ask you to get it ready. And then we ask you to speak to us. We'll be listening. God, show us our need for you and show us your heart towards us. We also pray, God, as a congregation that you would protect our students and our leaders as they travel all night tonight. When we have church tomorrow morning, they'll still be traveling. As they spend the week at camp in Florida, be with them, move mightily in their hearts and lives so that they come back differently than the way they left because of Jesus. That's our prayer. We ask it today in Jesus' name and everyone said... Amen. Matthew chapter 8, verses 1 through 4 is where we'll hang out in Scripture. Next six weeks, we'll be in Matthew 8. It says this, When Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately, he was cleansed of his leprosy. Then Jesus said to him, See that you don't tell anyone. But go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. So last week we ended 111 verses of Jesus' teaching. And when he got done, it said the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught like no one that they had ever heard before. If they were amazed at his teaching, they were getting ready to be maybe more amazed and possibly horrified at his actions. 
Because if Jesus taught like no one that they had ever heard, he was getting ready to interact with a leper like no one that they had ever seen. And he was getting ready to show them what faith and the reward of faith in the heart of God look like. We're going to talk today about the leper and the Savior. We're going to start, number one, with the leper. We're going to talk about the leper and the Savior, and we might as well jump right in. What was leprosy? When Jesus came down from the mountain, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Leprosy at the time of Jesus was a disease that was debilitating. It was isolating, and it usually rotted the soul of the person who had it before it would rot their body, but it would rot their body. Leprosy 2,000 years ago, if you studied it in history, would usually start off with some kind of skin abrasions. Some people called them ulcers, um, maybe, little, maybe little tumors, boils. Usually it would start on your hands, your feet, and your face. Eventually the, the things on you would swell, they would break. They said that the pus that would ooze out of your leprosy would just be the most terrible smell. No one would want to be around you. Your eyebrows would eventually fall off. Your eyes would swell shut so you could not see. And then very slowly, the nerves in the end of your fingers and your toes would begin to die. So your fingers and toes would literally fall off, which only preceded your hands and your feet usually falling off because they were rotting off. And sometime 10 to 20 years after that, you would die. But the worst part of this disease was the isolation of it because it was extremely contagious. There was absolutely no cure. And even in the Old Testament Jewish law, there was this warning that like, you got to be really, really careful if somebody brings leprosy into the community. As a matter of fact, there were 61 things in Old Testament law that were contacts that you could make that would defile you spiritually. Things you could come into contact with that would make you spiritually unclean. The only one worse than leprosy was a dead body. The only thing that made you more unclean than having leprosy was literally coming into contact with a dead body. Lepers were barred from ever going inside a town that had walls, which means this leper could not only go to the temple, he couldn't go to Jerusalem. He wasn't allowed any city that had walls. If you had a leper stick his head inside your house, your whole family would have to move out of your house for a week, and usually they would just tear the house down for fear of leprosy. I found this extremely interesting. In the Jewish law, lepers were not allowed to get within six feet of somebody, and they had to cover their, their mouth at all times. I thought, holy cow, we've just spent the whole year treating each other like lepers. When I, like, when I read through that, it's like, so there it is. Like that, that sounds like one thing in 2021, this would have preached differently in 2019. If they had the wind at their back, they were not allowed to get within 150 feet of people because they were so afraid of the skin lesions blowing off them and giving somebody else leprosy. In the Middle Ages, if you were a Catholic and you somehow obtained leprosy, the minute you obtained leprosy, the Catholic priest would bring you into their diocese and he would preach your funeral before he quarantined you for life because you were a dead man walking. That's leprosy. That's leprosy. And it would kill your soul. Decades before your body died, your soul would die of loneliness. I don't know that I had ever spoken the words quarantine or pandemic before 2020. But the lepers lived it long, long ago. As a matter of fact, in Leviticus, here's what lepers were told to do. Now, the leper on whom the sore is, his clothes shall be torn, his head shall be bare. He shall cover his mustache, cover his mouth, 
and cry unclean, unclean as he walked around just to make sure people didn't bump into him. I'm unclean. I need everyone to know I'm unclean. He shall be unclean. All the days he has the sore, he shall be unclean. He is unclean. He shall dwell alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. So your soul and your social status was dead decades before your body. That was leprosy. As a matter of fact, it was illegal in Jewish law for someone who had leprosy to approach someone. Usually they would have to stand and yell at them and invite them over, which is why in Luke chapter 17, when we see Jesus ministering to lepers, they're yelling at him and inviting him over. As he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out, yo, hey, Jesus over here. Would you be willing to come to us because we cannot come to you? That's what it normally looked like, but not in Matthew 8. Because in Matthew chapter 8, we see a leper literally at the feet of Jesus. And unless Jesus' arms were six feet long, he was within a six-foot circle. And he was kneeling before Jesus asking for help. A leper who could not go to the temple because it was inside a city with walls had a man who was the temple come to a hillside outside a city with walls and teach what the kingdom of God looked like and how they could follow him. And this leper said, I am all in, but I've got one big problem. I got leprosy. The leper's mindset, I think, is a beautiful picture of what I think the Christian mindset of every follower of Jesus should be. The leper's mindset, I think, was this. I want to follow Jesus, but I can't on my own. I heard your teaching. I'd like to be in, but I can't unless you're willing to help me. I want to follow Jesus, but I can't do that on my own. Yet if Jesus wants me to follow him and will help me follow him, then I will follow him. I believe this is the proper and appropriate mindset for every person who follows Jesus. I would like to be all in, but I can't do it without his help. But if he wants me and he'll help me, man, I am in. This was the leper at the feet of Jesus in Matthew 8 to a man with leprosy came and knelt before Jesus and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Now, these three words create a picture that once you see it, I don't think you'll ever forget. What are these two words in the Greek language? The word willing is the word fellow. There's two words in the Greek language for willing. One of them has to do with the mind. One of them has to do with their heart. This word means an act of one's emotions. The word willing means want to, if you want to. The word you can is the Greek word dunamis, dunamai. We get the English word dynamite from it. It means powerful. It means you have the power. So I want you to picture this man because this man comes probably walking through the cloud saying, unclean, unclean, unclean. And people are partying right and left, unclean, unclean. But then he gets to Jesus And he kneels down and he says, I am unclean, but I am not unwilling to follow you, but I need your help. And then he says this to him. This is what the screen behind me means. He looks at Jesus and says, I know you can help me. I just don't know if you want to. I know you can help me. I just don't know if you want to. I don't know that there's a better picture in all of scripture, then this leper saying, I've heard all about you. I just don't know if it's for me too. And Jesus is going to say, of course, 
it's for you too. See, that's his mindset. But look at the leper's reality. His ability to follow Jesus is going to be, it's going to rely solely on Jesus, not him. It's going to rely on Jesus' heart to accept him. It's going to rely on Jesus' hands to help him. Like, I'm unclean, but I'm not unwilling. Yet this really doesn't depend on me, Jesus. It depends on you. I know you can help me. I just don't know if you want to. Do you want, like, are you willing? The title of our Bible study today, he's willing. Jesus, are you willing to help me? And the good news is Jesus said yes. And here's the good news for you. Our ability to follow Jesus relies solely on the heart of Jesus and the hands of Jesus to help us. But guess what? His heart is for you and his hands are for you. Jesus would tell his disciples in John 15, 16, you're not following me because you wanted to follow me. You're following me because I wanted you to follow me. You didn't choose me. I chose you. My heart is for you. My heart is yes. I know you can help. I just don't know if you want to. Yes, yes, I want to help. I know you could help me follow me. I'm just not sure if you want me to. Yes, yes, I do. Yes, I chose you. You didn't choose me. I chose you and I appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. I not only am choosing you, I am shaping you to have tremendous impact. Tomorrow morning at our church, class three of our growth track will happen. If you never come back to journey, at some point, you have to go to step three of our growth track because step three of our growth track is realizing who God has created you to be and how to have impact with that in every day of your life as you work and live life and friendships and family. It's all about your life producing fruit and fruit that will last. Jesus said, yep, I do choose you and I have shaped you to make like incredible impact. We can help you figure out what that looks like if you'll engage. I think step three of the growth track is probably one of the most impactful things that our church does of everything we do because it helps people understand this is how God shaped you. Now go make impact for Jesus. So we have his heart. He chose us. We also have his hands. He says, I'll help you through his Holy Spirit. In John 16, 7, he told his disciples, very truly, I tell you, it's for your good that I'm going to go away because unless I go away, the advocate won't come to you. But if I go away, I'm going to send him to you. Does Jesus want me? Yes, he does. Will Jesus help me? Yes, he will. Why? Because he's a wonderful savior. We meet the leper, but we also meet the savior and Jesus is a wonderful savior. In the last 31 weeks, he's been saying, become like me. He's been showing us how behaving like him will help us develop this inner strength spiritually. He's been telling us how to believe things that'll get us through the the most stormy events that we'll ever go through. And now in Matthew 8, he's saying, hey, come hang out with me and get to know me a little bit. Because as Jesus' disciples first met him, their questions were like, hey, what are we gonna do? How's it gonna work? Basically, they were wanting to know this, like, are you gonna take care of us? Are we gonna be okay if we follow you? Jesus, I know you want me to become like you, behave like you, and believe like you, but if I do that, you gonna take care of me? And Jesus says, come get to know me and you'll find out. In John chapter one, as the disciples were just beginning to follow Jesus, they were like, hey, teacher, rabbi, which is to say teacher, what are we gonna be doing? Where are we going? How's it gonna work? What they were saying is, we gonna be okay? And he said, come and see. Come check it out. See, he knew what they didn't. Yes, you're gonna be okay. But he said, I'm not going to tell you what we're going to do. I'm just going to tell you who you're going to be with. Come hang out with me. Get to know me a little bit because I am a wonderful Savior. Come and see. So I I want to invite you to come and see the heart of Jesus in these next two verses in Matthew chapter 8 because I believe they show us the heart of Jesus beautifully. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the leper. 
I am willing, he said. Be clean. Immediately the man was cleansed of his leprosy. Then Jesus said to him, See that you don't tell anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. I want you to see the heart of Jesus because here it is. Jesus is willing to help you follow him. No matter how difficult what you are going through is right now, Jesus is willing to help you follow him. No matter how difficult your situation may make it for you to follow Jesus, Jesus is willing to help you follow him. For those of you in our Sunday morning services or watching online, no matter what it looks like for you to follow Jesus in your life that makes it seem impossible, Jesus is willing to help you follow him. No matter how difficult it may be for you, what he did to the leper shows us he's willing to help us. Look at what Barclay says again. There's never been any disease which so separated a man from his fellow men as leprosy did. And this was the man whom Jesus touched to a Jew. There would be no more amazing sentence in the New Testament than the simple statement, and Jesus stretched out his hand and touched the leper. Jesus is willing to help you follow him. And watch this. He will start wherever you are today. Jesus is willing to help you follow him and he'll start right where you are in the condition that you're in and here's the good news. He won't leave you that way. He'll start where you are, but he'll take you someplace better. And we know that because after this act of healing, after this act of love, Jesus then asked the leper to follow the law. You're cleansed, you're healed. Now I need you to do something for me. We see it in Matthew 8. It's a, it seems to be a weird command in New Testament Christianity. You're cleansed now. Go do the Old Testament stuff. Go show yourself to the priests and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. As I read this this week, I had this question. Why would Jesus ask the leper to follow Jewish law? It had not helped him at any point yet in his life. And we know because we've read the book of Acts and the rest of the New Testament that you wouldn't be required to legalistically keep the Jewish law in order to earn your salvation. So why would Jesus heal this man and then kind of retrofit him back into the book of Leviticus? Why would Jesus do that? And as you read closer, you find the answer. Because obedience to Jesus is a test and a testimony. Obedience to Jesus is a test of whether or not we're really grateful that he's willing to help us. It's a test of whether or not we trust him. It's a test of whether or not we're willing to surrender. Obedience to Jesus is a test of whether or not he is Lord, which means master, leader in our life. And it's a testimony to other people who are watching us. Following Jesus is always a test. This is what Jesus says in John chapter 8, Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, if you abide in my word, you're my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. One of the tests of whether or not you're really one of my followers is whether or not you follow and abide and keep the words that I've given you because the testimony of Jesus' words builds our faith. I don't think there's anyone in this room, I don't know that there's anyone in church on Sunday morning who doesn't want to have stronger faith. I think if I said, who wants stronger faith? We would all be like, I want to have stronger faith. How do you get stronger faith? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I want my faith to grow. Get in the word of God. Follow the word of God. 
It's a test to you, but it's a testimony to others that you believe. You say, I want, I want to grow in faith. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. Get in church. Get your kids in church. Watch online when you can't be in church. Find other pastors and listen to their sermons. Get in the word on a daily basis. See, following Jesus is a test of whether or not you really trust him. You've surrendered to him. You, you follow him. It's a test, but it's a testimony to the world that I have faith to follow Jesus and learning Jesus' words help me follow him well. So Jesus tells the man, your actions from this point forward are gonna be your testimony that I have changed you. So what is the testimony? What's the power of our testimony? Usually the first thing people will do when they hear about our faith is watch our actions. It's what you'll do to your kids when they come home from camp fired up spiritually. You'll think, really? Are you really fired up spiritually? Or are you just on that camp high? And you'll watch their actions. And their actions will tell you whether or not they've truly been changed. So Jesus says, as a testimony to what I've done in your life and who I am in your life. Now I want you to actually go follow the law. I want you to walk obediently because walking obediently is going to show other people who I am in your life. It's going to be your testimony. And Jesus said, it's not just your testimony that's important. It's your total healing. Jesus didn't just want to give him a testimony. He wanted to change his life. He was always concerned with both physical and spiritual restoration. So in verses one and two, Jesus gave him physical restoration. I'm willing to help you be clean. In verses three and four, he's going to give him spiritual restoration. What is that going to look like? Jesus reached out his hand. He touched the man. I'm willing. He said, be clean. Immediately he was cleansed of, cleansed of his leprosy, physical healing. Then Jesus said to him, see that you don't tell anyone, but go and show yourself to the priest and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Why? Jesus was saying this, for however long you've had leprosy, you've not been able to be a part of spiritual community. But now that I have changed you, go tell the priest you're ready to live in spiritual community again. I've not just physically healed you so you don't itch anymore, so your fingers are not falling off, so you can't see, so that your eyebrows grow. But I've not just physically healed you. I want to spiritually heal you. So here's what I've done in your life. Now go get back engaged in spiritual life. Tell the priest what has happened. Go back to temple. Go back to church. Start living in community. Like physically you've been healed. Spiritually now lean into healing because there's power in spiritual community. That's growth track. Step forward, our church, for those of you who haven't been back in, into the growth track process yet. At the end of step four, you realize what part of our spiritual community you want to join, how you can benefit our spiritual community, how you can find friends and begin to grow in, in the discipleship areas of your life that you want to grow in. Jesus didn't just say, you're healed, now go live your life. He said, you're healed, now go to church. Go tell the priest you're ready to get back engaged in spiritual life because spiritual community is powerful. Jesus was always concerned with total healing, physical and spiritual. He healed the man physically. He gave him spiritual direction and said, go. One of my favorite places on planet earth is Hawaii. If I could go there every long weekend, I would. Usually I get over there every couple years. It is a godless pagan place though. Because of, um, because of the idols and because of the tradition and because of just how the islands operated for so long, it, it, it is a, I think it's really still pre-Christian. I don't even think it's a post-Christian place. There's just, 
It's a pretty godless, non-Christian place, except for one island, the island of Molokai. Not a place you'll go stay if you ever go to Molokai, but a place you can visit. You say, what happened on Molokai? In 1866, a leprosy outbreak hit the Hawaiian Islands. And the king at the time, King Kamehameha, said, everyone who has leprosy has to be quarantined on this island. Nobody's allowed on the island but lepers, but every leper has to go and they can't ever come back. And at one point, more than 1,200 people lived in a community there. Seven years into that quarantine, the Christian missionary showed up and said, we will live with you. We will take care of you and we will die with you. And the first priest that showed up 15 years later after contracting leprosy, losing most of his fingers and toes, he died and was buried on Molokai. But that island today still has a Christian bent to it while no other island does. You say, why? Because the people of Jesus went to the lepers. And so we know everyone is afraid of you, but we love you. We know everyone's rejecting you, but we love you. We know that everyone's running from you, but we're running to you. Why? Because in Matthew chapter 8, a leper broke through all the cultural norms of his day. He got down on his hands and knees before Jesus and says, I know you can help me. I just don't know if you want to. And Jesus, like the Christian missionaries 1,900 years later, would say, yes, I want to help you. Yes, I love you. Yes, I want to live in community with you. Not until 1969, more than 100 years later, was that leper colony shuttered and they said, okay, now lepers don't have to go live there for the rest of their life. But in that 100 years, dozens and dozens and dozens of Christian missionaries moved to that leper colony and gave their life and their love to a people that desperately needed to be loved. And maybe that's your story today. Maybe you feel like after a year of six-foot distance and a face that is covered, that no one's racing towards you anymore. And you need to know Jesus is. In John chapter five, Jesus enters a place just outside the gates of Jerusalem called the pool of Bethesda. And we read a man had been there who'd been lame for 38 years, laying by this pool that he thought had magical powers trying to get in it. And Jesus walks up to him and he doesn't know who Jesus is. And Jesus knows he's hurting. And Jesus says, you want to be made well? And the guy said, sir, don't think that's possible anymore for me. And even though he didn't know Jesus, Jesus knew him. And even though he didn't know Jesus could help, Jesus knew he was hurting. And Jesus said, you don't see me, but I see you. And you don't know that I can help, but I know you're hurting. So how about we do this? How about you get up, take up your mat and follow me? Some of you are in here today. Nobody knows you're hurting, but Jesus And you walked in today and you didn't think anyone could heal you, but he can. He's willing and he's able. And what we learn in Matthew chapter eight is that if we will just get on our knees before him and say, I I want to be all in, but you're gonna have to help me that he'll say, okay, it's always worked that way. If you're in, I'll do the heavy lifting and together we will move forward. What has Jesus said to your heart about your life, your hurt, Someone you know, they're hurt. And what are you going to do about it to make sure this isn't just a sermon, but it's a moment. It's a seed that gets planted in your soul that grows into spiritual fruit that lasts. If you can answer those questions, we've not just had church, we've met with God and we in our world are better because of it. Would you pray with me as we consider these things? Heads are bowed and eyes are closed all over the room. In our Sunday services, our campus pastor
will come now and lead us. But for those of you here tonight and those of you watching online, please believe me when I say this. Jesus loves you. He lived for you. He died so your sin could be forgiven, so you could be close to him and right with God. And he can heal your hurt. He can. He really can. And he wants to. He can and he wants to. But you've got to get on your knees before him and say, I'm going to need your help. If you open your heart and your life to Jesus and allow his Holy Spirit, his hands to come and help you, your life can be made different forever today. And if you've never asked Jesus to do that, just whisper this simple prayer from your heart to heaven. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. You don't have to open your eyes. You don't have to pray out loud. But from your heart to heaven, you might just say this, Jesus, I need you. Just repeat it after me. Jesus, I need you. Forgive me of my sin. Heal me of my hurt. Lead me into the future. Today I surrender my life to your leadership. I ask for your salvation. And I commit to follow you. Thank you. Not just for being willing to help me, but wanting to help me. If you're here and you just prayed that prayer in just a second, Pastor Ryan's going to come up and tell you your next steps after making a spiritual decision to say yes to Jesus so we can pray, pray for you, pray with you, help you as you begin to take your first steps spiritually. For those of you who are Christians in the room, maybe it's been a tough season. And maybe for you or for someone else you're thinking of, your heart has been thinking this, I know Jesus can, I just don't know if he wants to. Bring him your need and see. You say, I know Jesus can, I just don't know if he wants to. Bring him your need. Get close enough for him to reach out and take hold of it and see what he does. Lean into Jesus. Lean into his word. You say, I want to grow my faith. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. Lean in. Thank him for being willing to enter your hurt and your story for your healing and for his glory. Jesus, we thank you tonight for Matthew chapter 8. What a savior. God, what a picture. I mean, we've learned so much about Jesus as a teacher. Matthew 5 was awesome, becoming like Jesus. Matthew 6 was so inspiring, behaving like Jesus. Matthew chapter 7 was so foundational, believing you. But today we saw you. We saw you in action with someone who desired to follow you but who couldn't unless your heart and hands were in it. And we learned that you chose us. And we learned that you'll help us if we live at your feet, if we live in your word, if we lean in. So Father, as we do that, help us. And Lord, do something in us that was as radical as what you did in the leper. Something that changes us on the inside, but on the outside as people watch our actions, they see it too. That's the type of transformation we want for us and our family and our friends. So God, we ask that you would do it. We trust that you can do it. We know that you want to do it. And God, as a people, we say we're willing for you to do it in us. That's our prayer. God, we ask it today in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen.